In this episode, we'll be exploring why do we overthink things? And I have to say, this is one of the key things that, that clients come to mindfulness for. Their heads are, or they think they can't practice mindfulness, they can't meditate because their heads are too full, their brains are overthinking, um, and it's something that we work on a lot. And I feel like it's a bit of a specialist subject for me because that is exactly how I used to find my brain was and I think it's quite a human trait isn't it oh yeah no I think you're absolutely right and it's certainly something that I really recognize both in myself and also in my in my consulting room we know that um, overthinking things leads to stress um, and so quite often I have clients who will arrive feeling that they are not managing their lives well that they are stressed and anxious um, and then when we start to unpack that, a lot of it comes back to the way in which they're thinking or overthinking about their lives. Yeah, and I think that we could just ex- expand on that little point, actually. It's a really good place for people to, to kind of understand that the brain can't really tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. It gets quite confused. So if we are imagining a, a kind of future scenario uh, of something that's stressful our bodies will respond in as if it's happening right now, won't they? So yes. all the stress response that we spoke about in that first ever podcast that we did, um, th- that heart racing or, or any of the stress response system, symptoms that we have will all be present just by imagining it. Yes, absolutely. And what happens in the body then is that those stress hormones um, mean that more white blood cells are formed um, and that that leads to an inflammatory response and over time if that's a chronic situation if it lasts for a long time then that leads to nerve damage actually so we end up with sort of physical problems and it's certainly why we get things like upset stomachs and um, that that palpitation and and headaches often and all those sorts of things that we that we associate with that stress response they are physical things it is having a physical impact in the body yeah i mean there's a lot of books around that kind of um stuff the um body keeps the score yeah. and when the body says no uh, gabomatic i mean those they're quite scary to listen to actually when we realize just how badly chronic stress can affect us physiologically i mean it's it's one of the highest uh, reported medical issues in the states i think i don't know what the stats are for here um, but it's 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 pretty outrageous how many people are signed up from work for physical stress um, symptoms absolutely and it gets wrapped up so that whole stress anxiety depression mm. sort of bundle yeah. um, and and there, and right there is the leading cause of mental health problems yeah. um, and I think, you know, this idea that the mind is separate from the body mm. is just, it's just such an old-fashioned way of looking at it, the separation between the body illness and the mind illness when they're so closely interlinked. This is like a whole other podcast, isn't it? Absolutely, all the way back to Descartes, so yeah, that Cartesian exactly. split. It's his fault. And it's <laughs> Although really technically annoying. it's not what he said. No. It is the way he's been interpreted, it but, it's, but it's not actually what he said. He said the opposite. Um, but psychological uh, health went one way, and, and med- you know, physical body health went the other way, and they didn't work together. No. And only now are we seeing this kind of realisation, or, or maybe lots of people knew it, but, but actually the medical profession coming back together. Yes, and I worked with a, with a lot of, of doctors in my time, and, and I, the psychiatrists I would work with would say, 
the brain is the only organ in the body that appears in two separate sections of the DSM, of the medical um, dictionary. Um, So it's there for neurology and it's there for psychiatry. And actually those two things are not separate. Um, And I have psychiatry colleagues who who have have a belief that at some point those two areas will merge back together. Yeah, I, I feel really strongly about this. And mindfulness practice is all about kind of integrating the two. It's yeah. why in the first few weeks of the course we only talk about coming back and noticing what's happening in the body. We don't look at emotions and thoughts until much later down the line. Because actually if we started looking at what was going on in our thoughts, coming back to the actual topic, um, then we would probably be horrified in week one. We'd be saying, no, there's too much going on up there and it's, and it's out of control. Absolutely. How funny. I was just about to say, so how, I was thinking, how do I bring this back to rumination? Because that's yeah. where, but, it, but although that is what we're doing right now, right? Yeah, it <laughs> is. We, we, are, we are ruminating on, on, on the background of this. Yeah. So to bring it to the here and now and what it is that we are thinking about, I was, I was, this is, this is slightly ironic, before we before we started recording today, so when we thought we'd do this topic yesterday, I did a little bit of sitting down thinking about what we might talk about. Um, <laughs> um, not overthinking, I hope, but coming up with some reasons as to why it is that we overthink. Um, and and I came up with a, with a number of really quite related things, but I wondered if this was a point for us to sort of start talking through some of those yeah. and, that, and that might that might they some of those might resonate let's give some context yeah I um, think I think it'd be really useful to go through those I think you know the first thing I want to say before before we do that is that it's the thing that separates us from every other creature yeah. right so it is not a bad thing to think it's not like we want to stop thinking yeah. but this ability we have to time travel to look back at the past look into the future that other cats or dogs or other you know um, conscious animals they don't spend all day doing that contemplating what happened yesterday or worrying about what's going to happen next Thursday Um, you just uh, we've both got cats so I'll always come back to that (laughs) you know I know that that my cat is not thinking about the fight he has yesterday today Um, so it's human but it's kind of got a bit out of control I suppose it's gone into overdrive hasn't it yeah well that's the th- that's the thing about brains right once they find a strategy that works for them that then they generalize it to, yeah. to kind of everything and and you're right it's it's I'm, I'm now doing that gesture with my hand right so it's the it's the it's the prefrontal cortex the bit of our brain that makes sense of the world that can plan that has a sense of time and place and yeah. and all of those things and right it's brilliant and of course but you're gonna talk through a number of reasons why we end up overthinking well and and of course what happens a lot in my consulting room is that we start with thinking about where these things come from right. and often that's childhood yeah. and it can be really helpful as a child to try and plan a, a, what what is what might be a really stressful situation so I've had any number of clients who've had really difficult childhoods so uh, parents who are can be quite aggressive, or parents who um, who, who drink um, and then come home uh, aggressive. Um, parents who you know who who are either over loving at one moment and then really neglectful at another. Mm. Right. So so 
for them, one of the things that, that, that they've done is to try and anticipate when that will happen and to try and prevent it from happening. So if I'm very good, if I sit quietly, if I help, if I, if I tidy things away, if I, if I, if I, if I, if I, yeah. right? And it sounds like helpful strategies at absolutely. that time. And of it course at that age, really yes, it, absolutely. Because what else can you do as a child? You can't, you know, you can't move where you're reliant on this adult for your safety. So one of the things that we do there is we sort of internalise the problem. So we, we assume it's about us. So if we do something, then we can make it better. Yeah. Right. So But then in adult life, yeah. that doesn't translate, does it? Not often, no. No. But it, it it what we've done, of course, is become expert at that overthinking, at, of that planning ahead. And then we bring that into our adult lives and our brains start trying to plan everything and see every eventuality and and I think we've all been in the situation where we think we've planned everything that could possibly go wrong and actually the thing that does happen is the one thing we didn't think of yeah. you know because we can't we, predict the future can we no we don't have that level of control yeah 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 we can yes exactly we can plan everything to within an inch of its life and something completely unexpected just comes along and and changes everything yeah yeah absolutely and and i guess as a as a bit of an aside what what we're not saying is that is that therefore we should plan nothing and just and just go through life being terribly surprised or whatever happens (laughs) whatever happens next you know like all of these things what we're trying to do is to find that messy place in the middle the the gray you know rather than the black and white it's interesting i i in teaching um last week we were talking about there's that stuff that is within your control so we were talking about trains right so if I'm worried about, I've got to get a train to somewhere. So the things that are within my control are to look what time they are going to come, to book my seat, to you know work out the journey time, how long I'm going to need to get to that station, all that stuff. I can do that, that's fine. When it comes to then going, supposing the train is really busy, supposing I can't sit down if, if my seat's taken or someone else is in it, and it, all these kind of fantasy things that suddenly, you know, get, turning up at the station, there's all this added stuff that's completely out of our control. It may happen. It may not happen. And actually spending hours worrying about that in advance of it happening just causes this stress response we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And it's really trying to find that, that kind of sense of what is and what isn't within that area of our control, isn't it? Absolutely. It's funny. I had a client say the other day, why would I worry about the things I have control over? The only things to worry about are the things I don't have control over. <laughs> Okay, just, just step back from that. Have a little look at that sentence. Like, could there be a life without worry? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, absolutely. I was slightly stumped to start with, um, yes. but all of these things sort of lead on to my my next um, um, reason, which is it gives us an illusion of control. Yes. Right? <laughs> right. So I said all these things were kind of interrelated. That that we think that if we plan all of these things, then we are in control and things won't go wrong. And then we're really upset when they do, because they will. Things do, and we feel like a failure. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And things and things will always take us by surprise. Yeah, because we don't know what's going to happen in the next ten seconds. You know, we can prepare for, for every possible eventuality that we think of, um, but things come along that just without 
out, you know, I use out with, which is a quite Scottish, mm. but it's quite, it works outside of our control. I'm always banging on, as you know, and anyone listening to this that's worked with me, about the only thing we do have agency over, which is um, our own behaviours, our own reactions, our own way of relating to whatever's happening on the outside. That we have some possibility of working with, let's say that. Absolutely, and I think that's a really helpful way of reframing it because I think this illusion of control is is to help us manage that feeling of helplessness, right? Mm. And, and we're kind of hardwired not to not to respond well to feeling helpless so if we can sort of bring it back to what do we have control over or how i respond to this situation um then then that does give us um agency absolutely gives us agency yeah Yeah. Yeah, and and that's it and suddenly and, and also then we're choosing more effectively the things that are the way in which we're behaving that comes with a whole host of other benefits doesn't yeah. it like feeling confident or feeling proud of myself or you know self-esteem is born from that stuff yes yeah absolutely and and actually the thing about overthinking is it does it does eat away at our self-esteem yeah 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 yeah. i'm scared of going off topic again i'm gonna (laughs) hand you over to the next point because i don't want to not get through these because they're so helpful and I'm sure everyone can relate to at least one of these. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so my my next one was 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 sort of related to that illusion of control, which is that is that it gives us an illusion of certainty. Mm. So it it um, it means um, which I think which I think is a form of denial. Um, this is this is my latest thinking on on that. Um, you know that sense of kind of pretending that things are predictable. Um, it doesn't allow us to to consider the 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 other option which again leads to that anxiety um stress when things don't go according to plan and is it cognitive dissonance really yeah. isn't it if we're pretending that it's all fine but it deep in our kind of the recesses of our being we know it's not it's like an illusion delusion actually yes. you know um then somewhere in us there's going to be this sense of things aren't quite right because you know it's a bit like with pretending to be positive or something you know people think that's a really useful strategy I'm feeling quite negative so I'll pretend to be positive and I'll say like affirmations and whatever but the brain's got a great bs detector and if I look in the mirror saying everything's wonderful and it really isn't there's just going to be this sense that that's not okay yeah um, yeah. Going off topic no, again. absolutely. It's really important. It, it is. To, it is really important to spot it, yes. to recognise it. When I'm trying to think that I, I'm certain about something and I've got control over something, is that true? Because, and actually, I'm sorry. The Dalai Lama, I think it was the Dalai Lama, once said that in the in the in the West we run around like headless chickens trying to control everything, and that causes us stress where the Eastern philosophy is to accept that they have absolutely no control over anything, and so that becomes much less stressful. Um, and he's it, spot on. Yes. You know, we're, we're grasping to, to fit things into boxes, to make everything work, and actually we need to let go of that sense of needing to control things. Yeah, really. absolutely. That sense of actually the only certainty is that everything is uncertain. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that that is the whole sort of... Uh, contemplative uh, tradition thing, isn't it? Impermanence of everything and, and uncertainty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. However, I think that sometimes overthinking things has a positive for us, right? Yeah. So what we might call a, a secondary gain, mm. um, where it, um, if we're somebody who does a lot of worrying, um, perhaps that's a way of getting sympathy right. um, from from a loved one. It's a it, it, it's a it's a way of asking for care. So people that are nurturing would absolutely kind of be, want to take care of someone. In, yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. as an anxious person, because I think often overthinking is an anxiety response, probably mostly it is an anxiety response, a stress response, let's call it just that umbrella term, stress. Um, because for me it was really always very useful to be the one that didn't want to forget to, to pick up the coats when we were out, or it was still able to call a cab or whatever while other people had kind of let all their cares um, <laughs> drift away perhaps with one too many glasses of Prosecco or something, I would always be the one whose fear kept, you know, fear of the future, fear of, you know, overthinking, well, what if this, what if we can't get home, what if so and so, so and so. I would be the one that therefore kind of kept everything safe, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to let go of that. No. That felt quite scary to let go of. It's taken a lot of work to think, well, oh, okay, a little bit. There's still some of that very much in me, but you know, it's it's when it's proportionate. I think that's what's helpful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I would I would always have categorised myself as a planner, you know, mm. and and make a joke about oh, even my contingency time has contingency time, yeah. you know, even if I'm just walking to the station, yeah. what do I think is going to get in my way? <laughs> it's an eight minute walk from the house, right? <laughs> no roads to cross. <laughs> um, and and there is something there is something nice about thinking of myself as that person you know that 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 does something for my self-esteem you know that that I'm not going to get tripped up Mm -hmm. that 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 we're people that are on time and people know that yes we're reliable and you know you know and 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 I will know the way and I will and I will know what you know that that and other people as you say rely on that and and value it so so part of part of letting go of that self-belief was was about what does that mean for me then what will people not like me if I if I buy into this idea that I can't control everything because of course I can't yeah because it does involve a hell of a lot of letting go yeah and letting go of that anxious response or the thinking about the million of things that might happen in the future um does make you think well I let go of of who I am yeah. a bit yeah um, and, and again and if people value the who I am going yeah. back to that you know people like me for it I'm reliable like you know that's my role in this group yeah (laughs) yeah that's really interesting will they will they will they they just sort of push me out if i if i don't have that purpose then what is my purpose there oh and how that might be a story we're just telling ourselves absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so again it's that pendulum right that 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 i that actually we we don't need to let go of planning anything at all it's just where does it serve me and where is it not serving me you know where 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 is that point um and and that brings me on to onto that onto another one which is which is an overgeneralization so planning clearly works in some situations you've just described brilliantly that idea of how much control we have mm. if we're going to catch a train yeah right, so so and it it works at work we write a to-do list we tick things off you know we've we've seen the people we need to see we've made the calls we need to make and um and we've done a good job mm. so there are some situations where 
all of that planning and that storytelling is helpful but then what our brains do because essentially they're quite lazy is they generalize that to the whole of life and we can't do that we can't control what other people will do and that's where the story comes in right if I do this then they will do that and then I can say this and then (laughs) this will happen and then they'll love me forever or whatever is is that story you know we'll fight and they'll never speak to me again or you know, but we don't have control over other people yeah. or indeed about our feelings about things. Yeah, and and that we could just be making up complete twaddle yet again by those imaginings of how things are going to go. I, I, you're making me think of the, the term that's used quite a lot in the world that I'm in that is a, a discrepancy monitor. You know, again, it's a brilliant human trait, how things are versus how we want them to be and that bit in the middle where we can look back and reflect and think and plan and look forward. Um, you know, I use analogies quite a lot. Like if I looked in a fruit bowl and there's mouldy bananas and I won't eat them next week, uh, sorry, last week, then next week's shop I won't buy any bananas because clearly it's not a thing. You know, and these practical tick-off-a-ball tasks, it, it's great to think like that and we use that a lot of work. It's what makes us good at our, our jobs. But when it comes to these intangible things and trying to be happier or trying to, to, to be a better person or whatever, there's, there's, there's not a kind of tick-offable thing. And we end up going around in these ruminative loops. For those that don't know, rumination, I think it comes from a word that's about chewing the cud, isn't it? Yeah. Like cows yeah. kind of chewing um, grass or whatever. Um, so it's this going around in these thought patterns of how we might fix or, or, or change or, or sort things out that, that we really don't have the facts for. And that's what it comes back to, doesn't yes. it? Yeah. You know, what you were just describing there and stories we tell ourselves, and it, it's about, is, is, is this correct with the information that I have? And often we don't have enough information no. to predict the future. No. No, that's really interesting. It's something we t- I talk to clients a lot about, which is you know their regrets about how things have turned out. And if we go back and look at that initial situation, did they make the best decision they could with the available evidence? You know, never mind what happened afterwards because they didn't know that that would happen afterwards. But if if they did the best they could with the available information, then they're not really responsible for it going differently, not turning out the way they wanted later on. Again, I'm going to quote Dalai Lama again when he says, don't judge the action, you know, not the result of the action, but the intention behind the action. Because often if someone wrongs us or we upset someone else, you know, did we mean to? I would say, you know, 999 times out of a thousand we didn't. Maybe all of the times we didn't mean to. We didn't mean to make the what we perceived to be wrong decision, but it was the best we could make with the evidence that we have. And I think there's something really important about yeah. how we manage all this stuff, isn't there, in relation to facts? Yeah. And yeah, and I think I think that is something that that's really important, right? When we're thinking about what do we do about this, um, about about uh, about the overthinking, yeah. you know, actually thinking about what's the evidence we've got here, you know, can we identify this destructive thought pattern? Um, when is it when is it beneficial? When is it health serving us? And when is it when is it not? And can we see can we spot when we're when we're kind of going down a a storyline? So yeah. at the point where we start to say, and then 
this will happen and then you know that's the point at which to kind of catch ourselves right and and to be critical critically look at what we're thinking yeah not not we don't mean critical in a self-critical negative way we mean you know be the kind of rational observer of what's happening do I have enough evidence at this point to be telling myself this story yes um is it helpful? Is it unhelpful? So the, the bit going back to the train analogy, it's mm. helpful to be knowing what time the train is, how long it's going to take to get there, how long the journey is, all that stuff. But as soon as we start worrying about whether the train's going to be packed and that's going to make me feel this way or that way, it's not helpful. We don't have the evidence to know whether the, the train is going to be full or empty. And linking back to what you said at the beginning, actually... We end up feeling like that, yeah. like we would if it was packed and we can't get a seat. Until we get on the train. Exactly. Yeah. And then it either is or it isn't. We might as well start the stress at that point yes. rather than the three hours before. Because we're not going to go, oh yeah, no, I, I've, I've, I've imagined this so I don't need to worry about it. We're still going to have the same reaction yeah. then. So we might as well not have it twice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And, it, and this work is not about um, everything going right either, is it? And that is a whole topic in itself, this perceived thing that life goes a certain way, which is right, and, that, and then when things happen we don't like, it's gone wrong. But this sense that it could go either way and we just don't know. Yes. Going back to this letting go of control, letting go of, of, of predicting the future that we don't have enough evidence for and staying in the moment as much as possible yeah. um and when we say that we don't mean we never think about anything else no. but but simply stepping away from the stories about what might happen in the future you yeah, know, can well, we go can we stay with the i've left enough time to get to the station and i've booked a seat i've done everything i can and now the rest is kind of in in the, you know in the future and I can't worry about it now and that that when you're saying about you know coming back to the moment obviously that's something very close to my heart and it's not about just hey living in the now and never thinking about the future but it's planning from a place of awareness so that we know what we're doing as we're doing it and noticing our reactivity as it's happening so if we and then we can catch ourselves can't we with those those unhelpful thinking and it's always that coming back to is how I'm behaving in relation to the thing helpful or unhelpful yes. is this train of thought helpful or unhelpful lots of trains today <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. you have anything else on your list there or? um so there was just one thing which was about letting go of the past which but i think yeah. we, we've, we've sort of we've sort of um covered that in in other ways really but 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 thinking about where where did these behaviors come from and and are they serving me well now? So it, it was helpful as a child to feel like that, to, to plan like that. It's not helpful as an adult to do that overthinking rumination. So seeing seeing the difference between those two things. And, and again, that is about being in the moment and, and going back to, as you said, the, the facts. This situation is not like any of those others. Yeah, yeah. And it can lead to all sorts of other kind of unhelpful things like catastrophizing. Yeah. 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 Again, that's another that's another podcast. Oh, thank you. I love I love these chats. This one um, particularly close to my heart. Thanks, Adrienne. Yeah, thank you. It's been brilliant. I think today. You've been listening to It's Not That Deep with Adrienne Kirk and Lucy Woods. If you've enjoyed listening, then why not subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.